0: The best thing about Friday, you're on Friday rules. Right. Monday and Tuesday rules were well, are strict. That's a no-fun zone. Yeah. On Wednesday, you can have a treat, but you have to admit that you've been naughty. <laughs> yeah. The Thursday rule is wait for it. Then it's Friday. Treat day. Go for it. At Costa Coffee, we're treating our Costa Club members to a new deal every Friday. Because Fridays are a big deal at Costa Coffee. Subject to availability only at selected stores. Excludes delivery terms and conditions at costa.co.uk. Christmas Australia
1: 1988. It was an idyllic time to be a child. Playing outside in the summer heat until dark with your friends without a care in the world. The Carapetus children were doing just this near their home in Sydney, Australia. Their mother called them inside for dinner, but for reasons we don't know more than 30 years later. Ten-year-old Helen did not join them. She was last seen between 4.30 and 5.00 p.m., with the search beginning hours later. Public debate and a coronial inquest could not decide on what happened to Helen. Did she run away? Was she abducted by someone who knew her? Or was she murdered by an underground pedophile network? The family would experience further tragedy when another Karapetus sibling would take her life over guilt over her role in her sister's disappearance. Was this guilt misplaced, or was it the confused thoughts of a mentally unwell child? This is Helen's story. Helen Karapetis was born December 10, 1978, to Theo and Vula Karapetis. She would be the third child of six born to the couple in quick succession. The relationship was toxic, with allegations of abuse by the hands of Theo towards Vula and the children. Theo was a Greek immigrant who had worked as a labourer, but he was injured and off work on workers' compensation. Unfortunately, due to language barriers, he was very isolated and he turned to alcohol, which became an addiction after the children were born. The Department of Children's Services would become involved after one of the older children, Maria, She would tell her teacher at school that, at least on one occasion, Theo held the children on the floor with his foot to their neck. By 1987, Vula was left with no other option than to pack up the six children and leave Theo. She would be awarded full custody of the children, and they would receive a public housing apartment at 454 Illawarra Road, Marrickville, in Sydney, Australia. The six children would rally behind their mother and the older children, 12-year-old Maria and 10-year-old Enos and Helen. They would help with the household chores and with the younger children. Helen would be described by family and friends as being shy, and the quietest of all the Carapaceous children. She was sweet with a kind disposition and would go out of her way to help others. Helen was street smart, though, and her mother has stated that she does not believe Helen would get into a car with a stranger. Helen loved school, and she was considered a good student. She was excited to start the fifth grade the following year at Marrickville Public School. On December 22nd, 1988, 10-year-old Helen, three of her siblings and two friends were at a playground at the public housing estate. They were swinging on the swings, building castles in the sandpit, and playing handball. Between 4:30 and 5 p.m., Vula called to her children to come back inside and get cleaned up for dinner. Her siblings would return, but Helen would not. When she did not return by seven, the family started looking for her. Now, some contemporary news reports do state that this search started at 8.30. Regardless, vital hours were lost before the search began. The family knocked on all the neighbours' doors, but no one had seen her. They called out Helen's name in the playground but she did not come running. From the initial investigation, police focused their attention on Helen's father, Theo. The local media reported that they believe that she ran away. Her family adamantly argued against either of these possibilities, that despite his issues... Theo adored Helen and Helen adored her father, and that Helen did not have the means to run away anyway because of her young age and the fact that she took no money and no belongings with her. Ultimately, the police settled on an abduction theory as the most likely outcome, when a local news agency employee who knew Helen came forward. She stated that on the late afternoon on the day that Helen went missing, she saw the young girl talking to a man of Asian appearance that Helen didn't seem to know, that Helen did not appear scared or upset, just uncomfortable and not familiar. The conversation ended with the man giving Helen money for glitter, which she purchased at the news agency and she left the employee did not see Helen again. The problem with the investigation from the start was the lack of evidence and leads available on what happened to the young girl. The police were also not sure where the actual abduction occurred. Was it at the playground, or after her visit to the news agency? Or was it in the surrounding Glenview and Hill streets? The intense investigation would go on for months before the case went officially cold. The New South Wales government offered a $50,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. This reward has never been claimed, and it still exists to this day. The family continued to suffer tragedies in their lives. Helen's older sister, Maria, who Helen was particularly close to. Maria felt guilty that she did not stay with Helen that day and left her on her own. She attempted suicide on the anniversary of her sister's disappearance, but she was found in time to be saved. She then attempted suicide again when she was 18 years old. Unfortunately, this time she succeeded leaving the family with losing two children in six years. However, this would be the motivation that Theo needed to get help for his alcohol addiction. And at the time of this recording, he still considers himself an alcoholic, but he is recovering, and the family has again become closer to support each other in the grief of losing Maria and the endless search for Helen. 2020 it has been a tough one, and more than ever we are working from home, staying at home, and socialising at home. It can be stressful and isolating and lonely. Depression and anxiety are at an all-time high. I know that between work, the podcast, and my family, I'm not going to drive to talk to someone, even when I need it. It's hard to make time for yourself. What if you could talk to a licensed professional therapist in the comfort and convenience of your own home? You don't need to even get dressed out of your pyjamas. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp will assess your individual needs and match you with the best therapist to listen to you 24-7. You can message your therapist at any time you need them, and in the unlikely situation you want to change it up, BetterHelp will be there to easily match you with another counsellor, free of charge. Be one of the millions that use BetterHelp to improve their mental health and well-being. In fact, so many people are using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counsellors in all 50 states of the United States. We want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener to Stolen Lives, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com stolen. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's com slash stolen. In early 2000s, the eldest of the Carapetus children, Enos, was searching the internet for any sign that his sister was still alive. That's possibly, maybe, holding on to the slightest hope that she had run away and that she was living a happy life somewhere. He came across a video of a woman who claimed that her own children had witnessed the murder of Helen Carapetus that Helen had been a victim of a ritualistic murder in a church in Sydney. The woman said that she had taken her children to a psychiatrist, Dr. Anne Shubham. Now, of course, Innes wanted to talk to this family. He wanted answers as to what happened to his sister. It took some time, but he eventually found them and he spoke to the mother on the phone. Ines preferred to speak to the children first hand, but the mother would not allow it, and he never could manage to contact her
0: again. The best thing about Friday, you're on Friday rules. Right. Monday and Tuesday rules were well, their strict, that's a no-fun zone. Yeah. On Wednesday, you can have a treat, but you have to admit that you've been naughty. Yeah. <laughs> the Thursday rule is wait for it. Then it's Friday. Treat day. Go for it. At Costa Coffee, we're treating our Costa Club members to a new deal every Friday. Because Fridays are a big deal at Costa Coffee. Subject to availability only at selected stores. Excludes delivery. Terms and conditions at costa.co.uk.
1: A local news media outlet, Nine News, also could not reach the family but they did manage to speak to the now-retired Dr. Anne Shubham. She said that she remembered treating the children, and she remembered what they told her about Helen. But the case files were long gone. Quote, the children were quite detailed and consistent with their information, but hardly anyone believed them. This is the general attitude to ritual abuse, though. The Police and Department of Children's Services found it all too hard and took the easy way out by disbelief. I'm sure it happened, and there was credible evidence." Unfortunately, there isn't much more information than this about it. Rumours about a government cover-up has hampered this case from early on. One of these rumours is perpetuated by author Fiona Holocats, who supports the theory that Helen was murdered in a ritualistic killing. Fiona believes that Helen was a witness of the workings of a sadistic underground pedophile network made up of Australian celebrities, businessmen and government officials, and that Helen was murdered because of what she knew – Frank Houston was the head of the Assemblies of God Church in New Zealand until 1971, when he immigrated to Australia. He would help his son Brian found Hillsong in 1983, where Houston would become a pastor until 1999 when his son sensationally fired him for reasons that were not made public at the time. Houston would be accused of grooming and trafficking children to a Sydney-based pedophile ring based in the King's Cross area. In a royal commission in 2015, it was revealed that Houston had sexually abused as many as nine boys and that his son Brian Houston covered up these crimes by ordering the Hillsong Churches, not to make his father's sexual abuse allegations public after his termination of employment, and not to report to the police what they knew. Unfortunately, we may never know if Houston was involved, as he died in 2004, taking any secrets with him to the grave. Now, Vula and Theo did not believe that Helen was a victim of these so-called underground pedophile networks. They stated that their family did not attend any churches outside of a local Greek Orthodox church, and that there was no way Helen could become involved with another church without their knowledge. In 2012, a coronial inquest was held. Several disturbing incidents leading up to Helen's disappearance came to light. Anne Martin, the school teacher of Maria's, who was more of a mentor for the young girl. Maria would go to Anne shortly after Helen went missing, upset, and with some stories that, to say, it, concerned Anne, well, that would be an understatement. Maria told Anne that her quote-unquote nice men regularly took the girls to King's Cross, where the girls were told to take their clothes off and they would be photographed. Now, King's Cross is a suburb in Sydney, and at the time it was known for its sex industry. Most of it are legal practices – It is worth noting that Houston allegedly was grooming and trafficking children out of King's Cross. Was this related? We don't know. But it is definitely worth considering due to the lack of information we do have in regards to what happened to Helen. Maria also told Anne that she felt responsible for her sister's disappearance, that in the weeks before Helen went missing... She had told Maria that she was unhappy and wanted to run away, but Maria made her promise not to leave without her. She said the main reason Helen was unhappy and upset was because in the weeks before she went missing, she was raped by two boys living in the public housing estate that all Maria knew was that one of the boys' names was Johnny, but she didn't know anything else regarding their identities. But Johnny had moved away now, and no one knew where he went. It must be noted here that this was never reported to the police, and Vula and Theo have publicly stated, neither Helen nor Maria told them this had occurred, they didn't know a boy named Johnny who lived or had lived at the estate at the time, that they didn't know Helen was unhappy. They reported that she was in good spirits before her disappearance and she was excited about Christmas. During their interview for the coronial inquest, Both Vula and Theo stated that Maria did not take Helen's disappearance well, and she blamed herself for leaving her that day. That Maria had bipolar disorder, and she refused treatment after Helen went missing and struggled with her grip on reality, and started making up stories. Now Maria's teacher, Anne Martin, she did not agree with this in her official interview. She said it was her experience with the young girl who was 12 years old at the time. She knew the difference between the truth and a lie. That Anne is adamant that Maria was always truthful in their conversations. The coroner passed down her findings, and they were inconclusive that it was most likely Helen was abducted and murdered, but who and why and where, we may never know. Unfortunately, due to Maria not being alive anymore, we may never know what actually happened leading up to Helen's disappearance. Were these disturbing events a trigger for Helen to run away? Or did the nice man or one of the boys kill her to keep her quiet? Or did she come across someone else who took advantage of a young, sweet, kind-natured, trusting little girl? At the time of her disappearance, Helen Karapetis was ten years old. She was 130 centimetres tall, or four foot two. She was slim build with dark, long brown hair and eyes. She had an olive complexion due to her Greek heritage. She was last seen wearing a red and blue striped shirt and black tracksuit pants. If Helen was still alive today, she would be 42 years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance and suspected murder of Helen Karapetis. Please contact Crime Stoppers on 1300 333 0 If you have your own thoughts about the case we discussed today or any case we talk about on this podcast, please search Stolen Lives Podcast on Facebook. Like our page to make sure you don't miss an episode. And join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, and on Instagram, stolen lives podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. This episode has been researched, written, hosted and produced by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu.
0: thing about friday you're on friday rules right monday and tuesday rules were they're strict that's a no fun zone yeah on wednesday you can have a treat but you have to admit that you've been naughty <laughs> yeah the thursday rule is wait for it then it's friday treat day go for it at costa coffee we're treating our costa club members to a new deal every friday because fridays are a big deal at costa coffee subject to availability only at selected stores excludes delivery terms and conditions at costa.co.uk.